Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Ah, another Saturday, 16th of August. Boom. Halfway done. Where does the time go? You know, this year just keeps flying by. The gardening season has been amazing. Things continue to look great. Last week, we talked a lot about problems. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the garden, but it's not all doom and gloom. There is some stunning plants out there right now. You know, all the hydrangeas, when I say all, not all of them are doing well. A lot of people are struggling with the macrophyllas, you know, the blue hydrangeas again this year. Tough winter, you know, despite everything we try to do to get them to butt up and do well, we're still struggling with it. You know, the new bloom struck seems to be a, a nice option We'll see how it fares going into next spring. But man, limelight, little lime, pinky winky, quickfire, my quickfire is stunning. It's red. It's red now, folks, okay? So it went from white to pink to now it's red. It's showing unbelievable bright red flowers just my, even Sue, my wife, she just goes, I, I just keep loving that plant more as as it goes on and on. You know, we have it in a spot where we have to drive by it up and down our driveway every single day. It just keeps wowing me. My favorite hydrangea now, I, I by far. You know, I love Limelight, Little Lime, PG, you know, Tartava. I, I like them all, but this one has just, it just knocks my socks off. Um, and now, of course, we have Little Quickfire you know, which is the new one. So a dwarfer form, which I think is going to be cool because I got a couple other areas where I don't want something as big. And so I'm going to try that one over there. And I think that will mimic in my yard the same colors and tie a couple gardens together. Haven't planned that garden fully yet, though. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So a couple weeks ago, I planted 13 more apple trees. And I planted a stewardia. And so I'm starting to hit my quota on plants, okay? But boy, there's some stunners in the garden center. We have been receiving some beautiful new stuff. There's this weeping purple beech that just is calling my name. And I'm really resisting. I'm trying to hold back. Boy, this new tractor, you know, it digs holes. It's awesome. I I just, I love planting stuff now. Imagine that, a guy that likes his tractor and really loves to plant stuff. You know, I've been doing all kinds of stuff, drainage and filling in some holes and building some new garden beds, you know, tilling and mowing fields. Been having a blast out there in the garden this year. And my yard has never looked better. Never. I mean, never, ever, ever looked this good. So when your husband or your wife comes to you and says, I think we need to buy a tractor. It's probably not a bad idea. I'm just saying. But, you know, here it is. It's mid-August. We've started to put mums out for sale. Dun, dun, dun. I know. I keep kind of bringing it up. Fall's coming. I know we're holding on. The kids are going to be back in school soon. We're going to all have a little more time, you know, to fill in some of those gaps and whatnot. But, you know... Really, it's time to start thinking about, I got some uglies in my yard that I can prune back and clean, throw in a couple mums in those perennial beds, 
and kind of get something established. Now, the mums really don't have any color on them now, but th- this is why I wanted to bring this up. If you plant mums when they're green, they last a lot longer. And when I say green, what does that mean? They don't have any blossoms. They might just have flower buds. But when you plant them out in your garden and they do not have flower buds, they are going to size up a lot bigger and they also are going to bloom much later. So when you go to the garden center and start thinking about picking up mums, don't necessarily pick the ones that are starting to bloom now. They won't probably last the whole season. Use those in areas that are real focal, that maybe you're going to change out again. But think about it. Buy nice and green ones, okay? I know that's tough for a lot of people because you come into the garden center and you're used to buying colorful plants. But think about it. When you're buying mums, you want them to last late into the fall. Think about buying some stuff that's a little more on the green side. Soon we'll be having all kinds of other things, you know, um, asters and uh, marigolds and snapdragons and petunias and, you know, all that stuff that holds up really well to frost in the fall. So it doesn't necessarily just have to be mums. But start thinking about cleaning up some of those areas. Also, it's time to start thinking about what are the plants I need to divide? What are the plants I need to think about moving around? We're at that time frame, folks, now where we need to pick our spots. A couple weeks ago, I talked about moving plants in summer heat. You know, maybe when you have like a construction project or something that's going on. Now we're getting to that time frame where a lot of plants are shutting down growing. You know, we can start moving some plants and dividing some plants. So, you know, it's time to start thinking about making a plan on what you need to do in your garden. Maybe there's a few gardens that are just a little too thick and you want to start a new bed. Maybe do some bed prep now. So there's a lot of things to consider. And last but not least, I know I'm going to say it, think about those winter views again. I know I've been bringing this up time and time and time again. But now is the time to think about, oh, I need that evergreen there. Oh, I need this interesting look. I need a weeping plant here for winter interest. So think about some of those things. What can I add this fall? New shipments are arriving every single week. Okay, we haven't stopped buying. There's a lot of fresh material coming into the garden centers. And so, you know, don't hesitate to contact us if you're looking for specific things. Okay, we are continuing to order. You know, the more people who are requesting things, the more orders we can fill. Okay, so contact us. And then like I I last talked last week, you know, the poinsettias, they're looking good. I know Christmas is coming. So maybe think about, well, is there maybe some plants that, you know, somebody might need? Maybe think about some of those gifts, some garden accent things. You might be able to pick them up at the end of the season here for a nice price You know, some things are always being clearanced out at the end of the season. Start thinking about your Christmas list of people you buy for. Maybe you've got some gardeners in there. You know, maybe there's a nice little garden sculpture or a bird bath or some pottery or other things. You might take a nice piece of pottery and put some stuff in it, some garden gloves, some other things. You know, we'll be having some clearancing on uh, some of these items throughout the next, you know, few weeks Think about it. 
you might be able to pick up some stuff or you might be able to replace some stuff that you're looking for, for your garden. So think about that. You know, like I talked last week, the, the trees are starting to show some fall signs, you know, continue to look at that. I love fall. The fall colors to me are the best time of year. They're the biggest and best thing of the whole gardening season for me. I love cool temperatures and I love fall foliage. It just to me is probably the best color we have all season long. So with that being said, I always stress fall color when I'm planting. Now I love flowers, but I'm always considering what is the fall foliage on a plant. What's it going to look like? Is it going to be green? Is it going to be orange? Is it going to be red? You know, what attribute is it going to bring to my garden in the fall? And I think about the surrounding plants and how we'll accent to it. Last week, we talked a lot about ornamental grasses and, you know, my sheer joy of ornamental grasses. But I will have to say that my lawn has kind of struggled along a little bit here. It's dried out a little bit in some areas. I do have a fair amount of crabgrass and other things going on. I don't get stuck on a whole heck of a lot of weeds. I don't really have a problem with some crabgrass until it starts invading my garden. And that's one thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, the weeds in the garden, now's a good time to try to get ahead of it. Whatever you can do to clean up some of that, if the crabgrass is starting to show up in your in your, you know, vegetable garden or any of your perennial or shrub beds, get on it. Okay. Get on it before it throws seeds so you don't have as much of a problem. I just go in and pull it out. Not a whole heck of a lot. Um, but really easy to eradicate right now. And, you know, I've done some more work in the old veggie garden. I have cleaned out some of our areas. Uh, you know, I had, last week I talked about some of the plants I was having problems with, you know, some of my squash and cucumbers and some of that. Some of the cucumbers are past now. They're done producing. So I've ripped all the vines out. I've gotten rid of them. I've reworked those areas. And I actually now am planting some of my fleet fall greens. So some lettuce, some kale, some spinach, um, some beet greens. Uh, what else have I got going on? I guess that's the majority of what I've, I'm, I've got put in there. But now I know it's tough to think, oh, we still have time. Well, it's mid-August. We still got a good month or six weeks, you know, and I'm also going to cover those areas with the harvest guard, you know, if it looks like it's going to get cold. So I'll protect things even a little bit longer. Now my tomatoes are still kind of struggling along, but I am getting good fruit. So I've been picking the fruit early and ripening it on the windowsill. Tomatoes still have been fabulous, but there's a couple tomato plants I can kind of, you know, get them out of the garden now. They're pretty much done. I've I've picked most of the fruit, so I can go ahead and start taking some of that. I get I wanted to touch on that just because if your plants are at this point done producing and you've picked most of your tomatoes, you can remove all that growth now. You know, take the tomato plant right out. Don't leave it in the garden to wither and just do its thing. Get it out, put it in the compost pile or get it off your property, whatever you see fit. But, you know, start cleaning up some of these things in the vegetable garden. If you have a lot of old fruit, 
that has dropped off of plants or maybe that, you know, huge club of a zucchini that's out there, you know, pick it off, get it in the compost pile. You know, don't leave it in the garden for it to rot. You know, you're just creating more fungal problems and creating more possible disease in your soil. You know, pick up all that fruit, get it in the compost pile, turn it in, you know, or just discard it. But don't leave it there to rot. You know, important pathogens and other things will will kind of start to fester in there, and then you're just creating more problems. I'm also going to start thinking about seeding some herbs indoors. You know, get some fresh cilantro, get some fresh basil going, and get them in some pots. Because, you know, it takes probably a good month to have a good crop of that. So, you know, I'd be mid-September, late September, you know, before I start harvesting everything, anything. By then, probably my basil and other things out in the garden is kind of withering. And so I won't miss that gap. Now, with my herbs inside, what I typically do is I'll start a few pots, and then when I start harvesting on those pots and picking some, I'll plant a few more pots. Because you're not going to have these plants all winter long. So if you got, you know, pick up some basil seed, pick up some cilantro, you know, maybe some dill, you know, whatever you see fit. The other thing is if you have herbs out in the garden, you know, like I have some mint, I'm going to dig up a piece of that and put it in a pot, pot that up so I have some mint for later on in the winter, you know, and a few other things, you know, if you like thyme, fresh thyme or whatnot, think about now's the time maybe to get those things lifted, put them in a nice pot, put them on the deck, kind of get them accustomed to getting inside, and then, you know, go ahead and transition those so you have some fresh herbs. You know, rosemary is a prime one. I'm going to plant up my rosemary plant, add a little lime because it likes, you know, more alkaline soil. And, you know, I'm going to bring that into the house and, and have that all winter in a nice sunny spot. Smells good in the house. Nothing better than fresh rosemary. You know, you're, I still like to cook on the grill and everything all winter. So why not have those fresh herbs to go along with it? So, you know, think about doing some of those things. I know we're talking a lot about fall here, but I'm trying to give you the ideas of what you need to do over the next couple of weeks. And with fall, there's a lot to do in the garden. So the earlier we start, the less work it is in one big bulk time frame. There's nothing worse than all those leaves dropping on the ground. You still haven't cut anything back. You still haven't done any work. And let's face it, with the kids... You know, we're getting them back to school soon, you know, you're going to have more time. So start planning for some of these, you know, a couple hours at a time. You know, don't kill your whole weekend. That's not fun. Gardening's supposed to be fun. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. you an organic gardener? Finally, there's a fast-working and effective all-organic insect control available from Bonide. Bonide's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is the answer to all your garden insect problems. Captain Jack's works two ways, on contact and when the insect feeds. This will ensure that your insect problems are over. Captain Jack's controls all types of insects, including caterpillars, beetles, spider mites, boars, and more. Use it on vegetables, flowers, berries, trees, shrubs, and fruit. 
Captain Jack's all-organic insect control is available in easy-to-use dust, liquid concentrate, ready-to-use and ready-to-spray containers with built-in spray applicator. Pick up some bonite Captain Jack's dead bug brew today at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or bonide.com. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Summer may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you have to be too. Whether you want to plant the landscape you've always wanted or just refresh your window boxes, Estabrooks in Yarmouth and Kennebunk still has tons of great plants. Best of all, you can take them home for a fraction of the price. All trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, and annuals are now 30% off. Make the most of your summer with some help from Estabrooks. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. I'm Tom Esterbrook, and we're talking kind of fallish stuff. I know, I you know, I don't like it either. Fall's my favorite time of year, though. I kind of get excited about fall. You know, I, I I'm kind of over the summer stuff. I still, it is summer still. Don't get me wrong. I still love to jump in the pool, you know, get out there and do stuff in the yard, have a fire on the back deck, you know, in the evening. You know, all the things I love about summer, you know, I'm still enjoying them. But I'm a realist when it comes to gardening, okay? I'm always looking a season ahead, you know. And it's ingrained in our in, in my DNA as far as how we produce plants and, and all of that to get started early, get started often. And so when I talk about some of these things, you know, I'm kind of prompting you to kind of think about it. You may not get to it, but when you're in the garden center, you might say, oh, Tom said something about picking up some basil seed. Yeah, let me let me get that because then I have it. And if I get bored some night, there's nothing on TV or or I get home from work early one day and hey, there's the pot, there's the soil, there's the seed, boom, five minute project. But if you have to take the time to come to the garden center, and pick up all this stuff and think about it and do da 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 you know, it's not going to happen. I'm in the garden center every day and it doesn't happen. You know, I'm there and I still forget to pick up the seed. And then I got to take a trip on my day off into the garden center. So, you know, there's, it's not easy, folks, but I'm kind of trying to prompt you to think about it. And let's think about it, okay? What about those houseplants? Oh, those things that you absolutely love during the winter, give us fresh oxygen and, and, you know, all of these things indoors helps our environment. Well, we took them when we threw them out on the deck and we've used them outdoors and maybe they're still in inside. We've had the windows open all season. So my question is, do we need to think about spraying them? Do we need to think about repotting them? Maybe. Here's a question from a customer. My house plants have been outside all summer. I I fought insects all last winter. 
I had problems with aphids, white fly, scale, just a whole lot of problems. I had never put my house plants out any other year until last year. When should I start spraying them? And how do I get them to really acclimate back to indoors? So this is this is a good hot button topic. I'm glad the customers are asking about this earlier than later. And it's a prime example of planning ahead, okay? Because this lovely customer was dead on when she was asking these questions. You know, the big thing is at this time of year, we can move our house plants outdoors. We can use any types of products we want on them outside. When we bring them indoors, we can't. We're much more limited in what things we can use in our home environment comparative to outdoors. So this is a good time to do some preventative maintenance and to clean some stuff up, okay? So the first thing I would do is just think about the repotting factor. Are the plants healthy? Have they not been repotted for a while? Do we need to scrape some of that old soil away and just add some new soil and put it back in the same pot? Do we need to go to a bigger size pot? Is the plant in good health to even bother keeping? You know, maybe it's just we call it what it is and buy something fresh and new. It's time to start thinking about your indoor environment and getting things acclimated now, okay? So if you get some new house plants and bring them in, it's good to get them acclimated in the summer months rather than buying them in February and really struggling along with them. So when it comes to insects, it's good to be preventative on house plants. So there's a couple things you can do. You could put some systemic granules in the soil, get that working within the plant. Now the nice part about the summer months is the plant is taking up a lot of water and nutrients. So what does that mean? If you use systemic granules this time of year, you are able to get all of that up into the plant. Now, if it's November or December, you think about it, you don't have to water your plants nearly as often. So what does that mean? That systemic granule takes a lot longer to get up in within the plant. So think about adding those to your plants now. Then... Pick a nice day, get them outside, spray them down, you know, with a good insecticide, let them dry off, and then you can move them in. So think about doing something like that, you know, just as a preventative. You know, maybe it's a a, a bond neem or, a you know, um, a neem oil, or it could be a whole host of different things. It could be eight um, could be a whole host of different things you might use, but get that infestation down as low as possible going into winter, okay? And then you're going to skate kind of right through. I'm sorry last year you you had such a fight indoors because it is a fight when you get the doors and the windows and the heat on and it's dry and the houseplants really kind of struggle along. So think about doing some of these preventative kind of things with your houseplants right now. Also, it maybe it's time to add a few new ones. You know, get ahead of the curve, pitch a few things, make some choices at this time. So enough about indoors and kind of, you know, fall and all of that. <clears throat> Let's talk about 
how do we control some of these weeds? Okay. And earlier in the year, I had talked a, a little bit about some of the weed controls, the organic weed controls. And this question is, do you have an organic weed control for the garden and lawn? Are there any good options? And is how can you explain how to use these? Okay, great question because with organic weed controls, primarily we have corn gluten. That's primarily it. There really aren't a lot of good options out there. There are some iron phosphates and some other things that, you know, iron products that, in my opinion, they yeah, they're organic. But to me, they're more damaging because they're such a heavy iron. And just because a product's organic doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. So some products we've kind of shied away from. But the corn gluten has done a decent job if used properly. So we have a couple different products. We have the weed preventer from Espoma, and we have maize from Bonine. So we've used both. Now, the one thing about the corn gluten from Espoma is it's at a high enough rate in order for you to get weed control. Now, let's just talk a little bit about corn gluten and the myths behind corn gluten. Corn gluten can be used as a fertilizer. As a fertilizer, it's put down at a lower rate on your lawn just to feed. It has really no weed control whatsoever. You have to put corn gluten down at a high enough rate for weed control. If you don't, if the bag says 2,500 square feet and you put it over 5,000, you will have no weed control. If you put it on at 2,500 square feet, you will get weed control. Now, how effective is it? Eh, it's good, but it's not great. But if you get on a program of corn gluten and you stick to it, like any of the organics, my opinion is you have to stay on a program. You have to stick to a time frame and really stick to that. You can't wait two extra weeks. You can't, you know... Organics are a little bit more often, a little bit of product more often, okay? So, for instance, with weed control and lawn control in general, there's four steps to that program, and you really need corn gluten in the spring and corn gluten in the fall. And then there's other fertilizers in the middle of the year. So corn gluten works well if you work within the program and you stay committed to it. Now, maize is a liquid corn gluten. I kind of like that. That's pretty cool. We can spot treat the bet the worst areas. We can do it throughout the year. We don't necessarily have to treat everywhere. And we can spray it right over our plants. Now, that's not to say you can't use the corn gluten granule and go right over your plants also. You can. But because it's a liquid, we're fertilizing at the same time as we are also weed control. So I'm a little cautious about using too much later in the season. So what I'm recommending is if you're doing it on your lawn, no worries. You can do it kind of anytime you want. If you want to use a liquid maze, clean up your garden, go in there, get the weeds out that are big, and use it in the next two weeks. 
when we get into September and October, I don't really want to use it. I want to hold back. I'm worried about it. Now we can use the maze on the lawn, but when it comes to around our trees, shrubs and perennials and all that, I don't want to feed too late. We'll pick back up in the first thing in the spring and we'll hit it again then. So I hope that answers your questions about kind of organic weed control. It's kind of a sticky, sticky kind of thing. And last but not least, when it comes to organics, did you get your milky spore down? Have you put that down yet for those Japanese beetles? Because you're running out of time. you got to get that down now. The clock is ticking, and we need to kind of get that down, or we'll forget it. We'll go next year. Okay? So, tick-tock, tick-tock. You know, uh, with Japanese beetles, they are laying eggs. Those are going down in the soil. It's time to get that in the soil if you haven't already. It's always much better earlier than this. But there's still hope if you want to try to go ahead and knock out some of those grubs for next year. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. You know those design shows where a gardening expert shows up and overhauls the landscape of some unsuspecting homeowner? You're probably not going to be on one of those shows. Planting a landscape is hard work, and it's not for everyone. Make it easier with the planting service from Estabrooks. For as little as $45 a plant, Estabrooks will get your plants into the ground and off to a great start, giving you time to relax and enjoy the season. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929.
welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. We just were talking about organic weed control and and all of that. And, you know, what I will say is the organics are better than doing nothing. You know, it's worth giving it a shot. Just come talk to us about it. You know, let us, let us explain to you the importance of the time frame and the right times to do these things and also how consistent you need to be. Because it is important when it comes to organic program. So another question, you know, and like I, the last two weeks, we have had just so many people coming in with great questions. This one is, I really love this one because when I was a kid, I used to sell this plant by the hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. We all did as garden center owners. So this customer is, says, uh, on the side of the road, I see this beautiful purple flowering plant all over the place. I want some. How do I get it? Do you have any available? What is it? And can I get it from you? So her next question is, can I just go dig it up? You could. So this plant is purple loosestrife. Okay, I love it. It's beautiful. Nothing like a late summer. Works in great, you know, wet, boggy areas. Works in a dry spot. It's a weed, folks. It is a weed. It seeds in everywhere. When I was a kid, God, didn't we sell purple loosestrife? Man, did we sell it. But I'm going to caution you. It is an invasive. You're not going to find it for sale anywhere. And I would not recommend you dig it up. I would not recommend you move it to your yard. It's a nasty, nasty plant. Very invasive. We've been fighting it for years now. Unfortunately, you know, there are plants that we do for, you know, 15, 20 years. We sell them and then they start to create a problem. Sometimes knowledge is, you know, hindsight. Unfortunately, we we didn't have all the information years and years ago. But purple loosestrife is not something you're going to find in a, in a in a garden center. You're not going to find it in a pot anywhere in the state of Maine. I'd be blown away if you found it in a in a garden center. It's possible, but I don't see it. So purple loosestrife, extremely, extremely vigorous, invasive. Don't do it. I know the temptation is to go to the side of the road, plunk a clump of it out of the ground, bring it home, stick it in the garden. It will be six times its size the following year. The year after that, it'll be 12 times. It exponentially will spread throughout your whole yard, into your neighbor's yard. The state has released beetles that eat the actual flower. Um, you know, to try to keep it from going to seed. There's a lot of native kind of things that they're trying to do with different insects and to try to eradicate this plant. It's a nasty plant. You know, if you think about it, you know, it sets flower seed. You might mow the field. You're spreading that seed even more. If you have it and you see it forming flowers, cut the flowers up before they bloom. That right alone will keep it from spreading, okay? So if you have it in your yard 
and you can't seem to eradicate it, cut at least the flowers off. Mow it down before it actually starts to bloom. That way you don't get any new seed, okay? Even if it's just starting to turn a little bit purple, go ahead and mow it down. That will knock it back another year, okay? Weed whack it, whatever you need to do, and then you might need to spray it to to kill it. You know, the tough thing is if it's in a wetlands, we can't do any of that. So, you know, you may be able to kind of do some work with it, but oof, no, we're not going to do purple loosestrife, okay? So wonderful plant. Enjoy it as you're driving down the road. That's how I do now, but no to purple loosestrife, okay? We're going to kind of take a step back. And speaking of wetlands and... You know, this wonderful July we had, and we've had a lot of thunderstorms. And, you know, I look in my backyard, and there's standing water. It's green. It's mucky. You know, there's pockets of, of, you know, wonderful breeding grounds for mosquitoes. And here's a great question. What is the best treatment for mosquitoes? Simple question. Tough answer. There is no perfect scenario for mosquitoes. They have been brutal at my house. I have Bartlett Tree come in and treat my yard a couple times a year. And with the thunderstorms and the rain and, you know, the standing water and pockets and and drains, you know, they've been, in my opinion, it's been a really rough year for mosquitoes because we have had such consistent rain it's very tough to keep them kind of down and at bay. So there's a few things, you know, that I want to kind of talk about in my experience because, you know, we've got a pretty good-sized piece of property and there's a lot of place for mosquitoes to breed and, you know, continue to fester. And and is it a health concern, you know, with bird flu and all this, you know. I just don't like giving, getting driven into my house at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock at night. You know, I'm getting home from work. I want to enjoy the deck. I want to enjoy cooking out. I want to go out and garden. You know, the last thing I want to do is just get absolutely eaten alive, and that's that's what I struggle with. So here's a few things that you can do to kind of try to keep them at bay. Number one, you can have a professional come in and spray like I do. It's pretty easy, you know. But is that the end-all, be-all? I'm not sure. I kind of have to do a combination of a few different things. I do use mosquito dunks. Now you say, what's a mosquito dunk? It's a small round disc that you can plop into some standing water, and it will kill the larvae of the, of the mosquito. Now, that, to some people, that's controversial. You know, I don't use any mosquito dunks. I re- really don't have the need for them. I, I kind of treat in some different ways, but that is an option if you have a standing water or a pond or, or you know, like a drainage ditch that has a lot of a lot of problems and plants in there and it's always got standing water, that might be your biggest problem. So standing water is not your friend when it comes to mosquitoes, black flies, any of that. So however you can kind of drain areas off, that will help significantly. You can go around and spray your yard with premrethrin. You know, eight is a perfect example of that. You know, spray down your trees and your shrubs, 
spray down your lawn. It also will get rid of ticks. So if you have a tick problem, that's another option. And then we also sell a product, a, an ant flea and tick granule, which is also premurethrin. So, you know, if you have a problem with ants in your lawn, ticks on your lawn, you get the added benefit of mosquitoes on top of that. So, you know, you got to kind of look at what you're trying to treat and get, you know, get a, get a hold of and what product's going to work best for you. Now, if you don't want to use any of those, totally understand that. I've got a thermocell. They say, what's a thermocell? It's this wonderful little thing you can pick up at your outdoor, um, you know, supply store. L.L. Bean sells them, Cabela's, uh, probably, you know, a whole host of different, but thermocell. Say, yeah. Heck is that? It's this little machine you can set on the table and it creates a barrier around you. And it works very well. You buy these replacement cartridges and whatnot. You also have the propane kind of bug things that you can burn gas. And, you know, to me that gets a little expensive, but they work. You buy a bug zapper. I think everybody remembers as kids the bug zapper that was out on the pole that all night you know some people really think of that as therapy you know when they're sitting there but there's other options is what i'm getting at you've got you know you've got these wonderful like fly swatters that are electric fly swatters have you seen these so it looks like a little tennis racket but they have battery powers in them and so you sit there and you swat at the flies and it electrocutes them. You know, there's all kinds of different gadgets out there. But what I'm getting at is there really is no one good fix. It is a battle, you know, when it comes to us enjoying our yard and being able to kind of sit on that deck and have a cocktail or eat dinner outside at dusk. You know, it's, it, it's tough. It's tough out there. And the last thing I, I hate it. You know, I'm sitting out there enjoying a good time, you know, with some family and friends and, you know, and then boom, you know, you get that right towards dusk. We got a nice fire in the chimney, some good smoke. So you would think, wow, there's not a lot of bugs, you know, and then boom, all of a sudden right at dusk, they just, it's like a, a aircraft carrier coming in and just bombarding you. So if you need to do something, those are some of your options. I really do like hiring a professional for this. But if you don't have the budget or whatnot, you can buy over-the-counter products to do this. It's just you need to do them a little more often, okay? You need to be a little bit more vigilant. If you're having guests, you know, take care of the problem a couple days before. Because most of these products, the insect actually has to land on the plant that you sprayed on. It's not going to kill them from afar. But what happens is, Mosquitoes can't fly that far. So they fly away as then they land and rest. They fly away as then land and rest. Well, if you treat your lawn, you treat the surrounding shrubs into the woods, you've created a barrier where they have to land someplace. Now, if you think about it, every single evening, you get a nice little dew on the lawn. What does that do? It kind of reactivates things. 
So every single evening, you're knocking down the population in your area right around the house and knocks it back day after day after day. That's why I say you have to reapply more consistently, okay? We're going to take a quick break. Hopefully stay away from the mosquitoes. Uh, You're listening to The Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. News, sports, and weather are all just a tap away on your smartphone. Now, the gardening expertise of Estabrooks is too. With the Estabrooks mobile app for your Apple or Android device, you can earn rewards with each visit, browse thousands of plant photos and descriptions, and get answers to your gardening questions all in one place. Plus, don't miss out on exclusive in-app deals you won't find anywhere else. Visit your mobile marketplace to download the app today. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You know, if I could just find one product that would control my insect problems on my house plants, around the outside of my house, on my lawn, in my flower beds, and my vegetable garden. Hmm. Ma'am, Bonide has the answer. What? Bonide's 8 insect control is effective against more than 100 insects that destroy trees, shrubs, lawns, flowers, vegetables, and fruit. Use 8 to eliminate ticks, fleas, ants, and other home-invading pests. It can even be used indoors on houseplants. Wow. 8 kills on contact and repels insects for up to 30 days. 8 is available in dust concentrate and in convenient ready to use and ready to spray formulations with built-in hose and sprayer really find bonide eight insect control at your local independent garden centers of maine visit maineigc.com or bonide.com thank you ma'am for your time thank you welcome back to the joy of gardening by estabrook i'm tom estabrook on another great Saturday. You know, August 16th, time's flying. We talked a lot about fall. We've talked about, you know, mosquitoes, you know. Ugh, frustrating. I love enjoying our decks. I love being outside and gardening. Unfortunately for me, it's early in the morning or late in the evening. I get to do these things a lot of times. And there's nothing worse. I hate spraying bug spray on me. I hate the smell of it. I hate the whole fact of it. It just bugs me. But that was kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about, obviously. You have bug sprays, you know, and that helps, but it never really stops them. I don't care what anybody says. That skin so soft stuff, oof. I think it's just like perfume to them. It brings them right in. I'm a deep guy all the way. <laughs> you know, go big or go home. You know, when it comes to mosquitoes, I you just got to gotta do it. But we've had a pretty good show here today, and... You know, here's a question by a customer that really kind of hits home. How do I train a vine down my fence? I've got a climbing honeysuckle. I've planted it at the end of the fence. It's a split rail fence, and it doesn't seem to be growing down the fence. It's growing everywhere but the fence. What do I need to do to train it? And will it cling to the fence, or is it not the right plant for my situation. We, you know, fence, trellis, home, tree, whatever you want a vine to climb on, they don't just automatically climb on something. Now, some things like ivy will attach to structures. Some things, 
you know, like climbing hydrangea will kind of lean up against a, a structure and then over time attach. But the rule of thumb when it comes to vines and getting things to kind of go where you want them is you really need to train them there. So you have a split rail fence. What I usually tell people with a split rail fence is you might want to put a couple in on a few different posts. Now, I don't know how long your fence is or do you want it just on like the end section, you know, kind of that real farmhouse look. I love that. I, I love that look. You know, you've got this one vine. You can see the ar- architecture of the rest of the fence. It's kind of old farm look. Love it. Climbing honeysuckle is not going to attach to anything, period. So, yes, it probably wasn't the right choice, but I like the option. I like the plant for the situation. It's vigorous. It blooms multiple times a year. It will grow and cover. We just need to help it along. So, split rail fence. I assume it's not vinyl. I I assume it's wood. I shouldn't necessarily assume, but if it's vinyl, obviously we can't put nails or screws or anything like that. So you may have to use twine or something else. You know, obviously we don't want to be screwing into that and messing up the vinyl. And so we'll have to look at some options to train that. But I'm assuming it's wood. So with that option, you've got these long tendrils. It's growing all over the ground. It sounds like it's, you know, just not going where you want it. So if there are parts of the vine that are growing totally in the opposite direction, cut them off. Just go in and hack them. That's why I tell people a lot with vines is if it's going in the wrong direction, prune it and make it go in the right direction. Just keep pruning on that side of the plant that's growing in the wrong direction and promote more of the energy and the growth to go into the vine that is going in the right direction. And just... A couple times a year, go out and snip some of those things off, take them away. All the energy will go to the other part of the vine, and you'll just kind of gradually get more and more growth on that side of the plant. Now, how do we attach it? Well, there's a a, a ton of different options. Uh, one would be, you know, a nice jute twine that will kind of rot over time. Another is maybe you put some nails or screws that will hold the vine up on top of the fence. And you can kind of attach it or just lean it on it and kind of interweave it in between. Once you get the main vine as far as you want it, then weave it back down itself. So you kind of go back and forth and train it. And then the new growth the following year will sprout off all of those buds and it'll just look beautiful. But you need to get it to where you want it first. Okay, it's not that easy a process. You buy these little plants, they grow in many different directions. It's just a little bit of time. Now, what I usually tell people is go out and train your plants every week or every other week. So if you need to add another nail or screw each week, you just do that. And don't wait until you've got six foot long tendrils on this to go out and do it. Now, if you're in that situation, which it sounds like you are, that's fine too. We just need to be a little more delicate about breaking those branches. If we do it as we go, you're only training maybe six inches or a foot at a time. And so you're able to kind of really pull it together and have a nice look. And then you'll kind of have an idea of 
how far down that fence do I want it to go? Do I want it to go the whole length? If that's the case, maybe, like I said, add a plant every other post. And then you can train in two directions. So a lot of options here. I think using vines on a fence, using them in any place that you need vertical height and to soften an architecture like a fence, a boulder is another thing, you know, growing it up over a boulder. Great way to soften some of those architecture. So another great week. Keep those questions coming. Submit them to estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Always here to help. Always available in the garden center. My staff is awesome. Contact us any way you need to. Keep up the war out there on the garden. I know it's been a long summer. I've talked about it the last couple weeks. Fall is coming. And we're going to have a bunch of guests coming on, you know, to talk about a whole host of different things coming up. So I hope you uh, get out there. Enjoy your garden. I know I am. You know, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to plant that purple beech yet, though. But I got the tractor. And last but not least, I wanted to give a puppy update. They're doing really well. They have settled in very nicely. Uh, Milo and Maddie are really settling in, and we're enjoying our time with them. Uh, they haven't got out in the garden too much yet. They, they, they've been chewing up a, a storm, making a few accidents here or there, but uh, they've brought a lot of joy to Sue and I. So uh, I hope you can enjoy your garden and get out there and have a great weekend. Oh, 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 o